This is a special edition of the Radio Plasma podcast, featuring Esmeralda Santiago, Riding Alive, a Transcultural Journey. On March 29, 2018, Puerto Rican writer Esmeralda Santiago visited the city of Holyoke and she had two presentations, being the first one at Holyoke Community College, followed by another session at the Holyoke Public Library with students of the Care Center. The following is a recording of Esmeralda Santiago's presentation at the Leslie Phillips Theater in Holyoke Community College. Amazing. Thank you so much. Save some of the applause just in case it's not as good as you expect. <laughs> really, I'm so thrilled to be here. I am thrilled to see so many of you, to see such a diverse audience here. Um, I have to admit that I don't always get these kinds of audiences, but you are my favorites. <laughs> And I always long to be able to look out at an audience like this where I can see all the humanity that I know exists in this world. Um, how many of you come from other countries other than the continental United States? Wow, muchos. How many of you speak another language at home? Casi todos. Okay. I am, um, yeah, that, is my that was my experience. <laughs> my experience was that I came to the United States at the age of 13, as uh, you uh, have read in some of my books. And I came with pollito, chicken, gallina, hen. <laughs> Lapis pencil? <laughs> Ventana. Window. Puerta. Maestra, y piso, exacto. I thought I was bilingual. <laughs> um, it took me a while to realize that even that little bit of English that I knew um, could be expanded into actual verbs and adjectives eventually, uh, and that I could add more nouns to it. And my, um, my way of doing it was that I did, um, I was introduced to the, uh, the public library near where uh, our apartment was. And that young woman who introduced me to that library, I have been forever grateful because she showed me a place where I could be warm when our apartments were not, uh, safe when our streets were not, and where the entire knowledge that every mind <laughs> has expressed was on the shelves of this uh, wonderful place called the public library. I began by looking at children's books with their um, illustrations so that I could kind of get a sense of the language, you know, and um, so I would look, you know, A-P-P-L-E and Apple and, um, <laughs> and um, K-N-I-F-E, Kenife. <laughs> and by about a year and a half after arriving in the United States, 
I was reading English at a very much higher level than I could speak it. So everybody outside of my family thought I was very shy and timid <laughs> because I would not open my mouth because if I, if I went to a place and I said, may I please have some water, somebody said, water? Yeah, why don't you, you know, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pronounce it until I went to performing arts high school. And at performing arts high school, um, there were classes for uh, diction, and that's where I began to understand that the K, if, it's, if it starts, you know, it's a silent K, and all those kind of rules that you, you don't need in Puerto Rico or Spanish. <laughs> so, um, so all of a sudden, the whole universe opens up because not only could I read about a world outside the doors of our apartment, but I could also begin to express what I was feeling about the world that I lived in. And that world that I lived in was a place full of uh, passion. Uh, those of you who are from our, our Spanish-speaking countries know what I'm talking about. We tend to be operatic. Um, we tend to be very dramatic in, in many, many respects. Uh, and I found that when I went outside of the community that I lived in, that passion and that drama and that, that stuff, it didn't really kind of, didn't work quite as well outside. So, so I had to learn how to behave in two different universes. Leaving the door of our apartments, I was a different person. When I was with my Puerto Rican family, and our friends, in our neighborhood, I walk like this. <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm in Manhattan, you don't move this. <laughs> <You're going laughs> because there's a different way of behaving. I had to learn that as a teenage girl when I'm not only trying to figure those kinds of things, but trying to understand why that was the case, why the way that I am, why am I not enough for the universe around me? And trying to feel the wholeness of who I am in the middle of a society that does not see the whole me. They see stereotypes, they see certain expectations that come from who knows where, um, but certainly not coming from me. Uh, what are those expectations? A poor girl whose mother is a garment worker who very often has to resort to welfare and um, living in a, in a neighborhood that is often violent, uh, in homes that are not necessarily um, the most comfortable places. If we didn't have enough money to pay for the heat, we had no heat. If we didn't have money for electricity, we used to have to put our stuff from the refrigerator on the window outside on the um, fire escape. We had to be resourceful about the way that our lives um, had become from the lives that we knew in Puerto Rico. Those kinds of things 
when you're going through them, they are what you have to do. <laughs> you know, but then as you, as you mature, as you grow up, as you get out even further away from the doors of your apartments, you begin to ask more questions that all of a sudden become um, about you to yourself. Why am I doing this? Why? Why am I changing the way I walk when I go outside? Is that, is that right? You know? And so all of a sudden, you begin to question yourself because the questions that are coming at you are unanswerable, really, unless somebody really knows you very well and they know what's going on with you. So, so this is, it, it's a process. At, at some point, I think it was maybe towards the end of my senior year at Performing Arts after having played Cleopatra for three years because I was so exotic looking that every time they did a you know, theatrical production, I got cast as Cleopatra. Uh, even though I have never been to Egypt or Greece or anywhere in that part of the world. Um, so, Beginning to try understand at that point, uh, oh, okay, what this is about, what this whole experience that I'm going through, um, not by myself. I'm the eldest of 11 children, so I wasn't alone in, in the process because I have this huge family, but I was alone in the sense that they could not really help me because they and so what I, um, what I realized at, at some point, and I think I was very close to graduation, is that my job, my job now, is to create Esmeralda Santiago. <laughs> who is that person? It's the person who walks like this sometimes and sometimes walks like that. Uh, it's a person who speaks Spanish and who also speaks English. And in high school, I learned French. I don't ask me to speak now, but, but I was pretty good when I, when I was in school. Um, who, and if I'm creating that person, what do I want to do with that person with no resources? Well, you know, of course, education is the first thing for me. And I went to Manhattan Community College um, because I knew that I could I could alter my, um, my classes with the great necessity that I had of also having a job. Um, I couldn't just go to a four-year school and have fun and you know, uh, not work 40 hours a week. So I went to Manhattan Community College, and, and I began to meet people who are in the same, um, in the same struggle. Uh, there were many. Puerto Ricanos, there were people from Central America, there were a lot of um, Jewish kids who were not rich, <laughs> because until then the only Jewish people I'd met were wealthy, though my teachers they were all like turned out, and I'm like, oh wow, I want to be one of those. Um, <laughs> but uh, it turns out that in my, my ancestry, I am actually Jewish. Um, but I began to, to meet people who have the same kind of struggles and experiences and challenges. And um, 
It was a way of my feeling not quite so alone in that process. Um, although, you know, we do go through our lives alone, you know that. <laughs> Even though we, we fall in love, somebody falls in love with us, we have mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and friends and colleagues, and they are there. But ultimately, um, when you close your eyes at night, you are really alone. Um, I don't mean to depress you, <laughs> but, but it is a reality. <laughs> and the, the sooner you learn it, <laughs> the, best, the best for you. Uh, so being, so, so fee, knowing that, that I had to create this person, it gave me um, something to work with, you know, at least a goal, <laughs> at least a sense of this is what I have to do. If I want to improve my economic life, I have to do something. I either have, you know, I have to get better jobs or I have to get promoted. I have to work harder than the next person who is competing with the same job. All those kinds of things that we here in this room, I know you all know what I'm talking about. Um, we have to work harder than people who don't have these kinds of struggles, especially if we have um, issues with, with an accent. I was constantly being called out for having an accent, even though they really tried very, very hard at performing arts to make me sound like Cleopatra <laughs> and, um, in English. Um, so so that, that process of trying to, to create that person, it meant to me follow my passions um, and not just the passions of the people around me who might see something else in me. Um, the expectations for a Puerto Rican girl in Brooklyn at that time were that I was going to get drop out of school at whenever I had my first child. Uh, and then I would go on welfare. And if not, I would be a puta. Um, and if not that, um, I would just sit back watching telenovelas all day collecting welfare. That was the expectation for me, which I rejected, <laughs> obviously, because... <laughs> I rejected because I had a vision of who I wanted to be, not who other people saw. And if you can, in that moment, just before you fall asleep, when you're completely alone in your space, whatever it may look like, if in that moment, just before you go to sleep, you have a sense, you, or you ask yourself, you either ask or tell yourself, who am I creating? through all this work that I'm doing. I'm going to school, I'm having a job, I'm running from here to there, I'm taking care of kids, I'm taking care of my parents, I'm taking care of my friends. I'm doing so much stuff. Who is this person? What am I creating here? And when you come to the point where you, you make a decision, because it is a decision for you, 
it's your choice of who you become, then you have to work really hard at making sure that that person becomes the person you want to be to the point where other people don't see anybody else in you but you. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> For me, that meant I had to leave my community. I had to leave the Puerto Rican community in Brooklyn where we were being raised by my single mother. I had to leave that um, place because what I needed was not available there. It just wasn't there. There were no mentors there. You have to, I'm much older than you guys. So the only example of Puerto Ricans other than killers and drug addicts and prostitutes and people who always, if they appeared in the newspapers, had always done something bad, never something good. But the only person that I saw in the media was um, Anita in West Side Story, because she was Puerto Rican. Everybody else was from somewhere else, pretending to be us. Um, and Anita wanted Puerto Rico to sink in the ocean. So I did not want that for my island. <laughs> I um, So I knew that I was not going to become that person either, even though that was the only example available to me. So I have to create that. And I did it through reading. I did it through, through thinking. And I did it by telling myself, I am going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm a great believer in lists. <laughs> I be, I'm a great believer in cons and pros. Um, I think if you're trying to create yourself, you need to be organized about that. And you have to have some real sense of where you're going. Don't just go wherever people push you, because then you're not going where you want to go. You're going where other people go. So be, be selfish about that. And I had to be selfish about that. I had to leave my community, went to performing arts. It was, a, it was not easy. You know? And my, my sister were going, oh, you're just over there brincando y saltando all the time. You know? <laughs> That's what they imagined, because I'd come home with my weird you know, Cleopatra costumes. And they thought, I'm just having fun. You know? um, but they, they could not understand it. My neighbors couldn't understand it. My aunts and cousins couldn't understand it. And I had to go and say to myself, I don't care whether they understand it. I get it. I get it. And because I get it, I'm going to continue doing what I think I need to do to become the person that I want to become. here really for you <laughs> and with you. So any of you, if you have any questions, even though I'm talking, um, please come up. Um, well, there's a mic here so that um, everyone can hear what you ask. Pueden hablar en español o en inglés. No me hablen en francés because je ne parle français. But I would be happy to hear any of your um, questions either about my book, my writing, my life. You know, just don't get too personal. 
<laughs> Although, if you are a memoir writer, there are no secrets. <laughs> I can guarantee you. Any of you interested in becoming writers, please raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Oh, so many. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, great. I'm really happy. How many of you who want to be writers read lots of books? Yay. Okay, you cannot be a writer if you don't read lots of books. <laughs> and challenging books. Don't give me all that Danielle Steele stuff. <laughs> Unless that's what you want to write. And then you can write them all. Yes, ma'am. Pero I speak very loud anyway. Um, I too left. At age 18, I left the island. I left my my people, everyone, and came to this town. And um, and when I came to this town also I needed to learn how to leave certain stereotypes. How, I mean, you just said um, you, you learn how to leave um, through reading. Um, for me, I, I had to have, there were people in my life, throughout my life, that saw the potential in me, and then, you know, I couldn't see it for myself. I guess I go to sleep too fast. It takes me a minute to fall asleep, so I can't <laughs> tell myself, who are you, who are you creating? So I, I, I had people along my life telling me, you know, you should, you should go to college and leave that factory job. And then at college, I started ESL, and then you should continue. And then, and so what I've done with my life has been because people have seen it in me and seen the potential, and so I believe in them, not necessarily believe in me. What, who were, who were those for you? Was yeah. it the reading or was it people? Oh, or, you well, know? So thank you for, for your question, and yes, there were many people, mostly teachers, who saw something. I'm, I'm uh, for those of you who know about astrology, I know very little. But I know that I am a Taurus. <laughs> and what I understand from people like Tauruses is that we're stubborn. Um, and so for me, if you say you should do that to me, that is not the way to make me do anything. You know, just don't shoot me. Um, so, but you can recommend something or you can ask me to consider something and if you ask in that way, I will do that. And so the teachers who actually were able to reach me were the ones who, who, who were respectful enough not to tell me what I should do, but to think about what I might consider doing. And, and those were the ones that I listened to. Um, because sometimes a should is a should for the person who's telling you, not necessarily for you. Don't, you should leave your factory. Well, yeah, okay, so how do I pay my rent? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not, that kind of should is not helpful. But uh, you might consider going to Holyoke Community College part-time while you stay in the factory until you're able to move up to a different um, job in the same place or in a different place, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it's a lot of it is in, in how do you tell someone um, that you see something beyond them. 
um, and to allow them to think about it. But th don't tell them that you're, you know, they should do this or that because most of us, <laughs> especially if you're a Taurus, you're not going to listen. You're not going to pay attention. You know. So so encourage us. Uh, I had the teachers every way. I mean, all the way through through. Um, uh, junior high school, at performing arts, I had a teacher who was my champion, whom I still am um, you know, grateful for. Um, then I went to Manhattan Community College and I had a, a professor there who was very encouraging and who never, you know, he, he could see that I was enthusiastic, but I was not very knowledgeable and I was really kind of naive. And, and kind of and, and innocent because I was a Puerto Rican, Puerto decente, so I was kind of innocent <laughs> in, of many things that I probably, if if I had known, I probably would have avoided a lot of things, but I didn't know it. But this these people have kind of guided me through that, and I and I'm, I still remember them. But I think the thing that books allowed though were to show me a world outside of this very narrow universe that I was inhabiting. And because I could read um, about what's happening in the South, for example, I could understand what was happening in the rest of the United States. If I'm reading uh, about you know, Jane Austen, I know that there's a certain way that, that those people behaved. And, and so those kinds of things are information that, that we need as we continue to, to progress in our lives in trying to, to create something different than what the expectations are. Thank you. Hello. I previous speak in my language, Spanish, because I prove you, I say congratulations first. Woman, USA, brother, all woman, American woman, stay here today. So, my name is Jose de la Rosa. I've been living in New York for 10 years in El Bronx. I know it's hard living in New York City. Quiero saber cómo lograrte esa transferencia de New York en esa época, en ese momento tan difícil, momento de la Fania, ¿verdad? De la Fine Star. Ok. <risa> Mucha música, mucho party. Y ya usted sabe, ¿cómo usted logró ese transfer de Manhattan College a Harvard College, donde nosotros los hispanos estábamos relegados a un segundo plano? Más o menos al, al legado de la música, de la diversión de All Latinoamérica. Johnny Pacheco. Toda esa gente, la Lupe. La Lupe. La Gigi. Ok, gracias. Solamente quiero saber este. Bueno, el, eh, para mí esa transición fue una, un, un proceso de 10 años. For me, the transition from um, Brooklyn and Manhattan Community College to Harvard was a 10-year process. Eso no fue un día a otro. That's another thing. Eso es otro, si, si te estás creando tú mismo o tú misma, no es algo que va a suceder al otro día. You know, if you're trying to create yourself, it's something that it takes some time, it won't happen overnight. Y para mí, 
El proceso fue, me fui a Manhattan Community College, um, estudié en Manhattan Community College Business. <laughs> Acabando de, de graduarme de Performing Arts High School, donde estaba saltando y brincando. Like, um, una muchacha con tendencias artísticas. So I was, you know, I, I, I had a desire for artistic endeavor. Pero yo sabía que I needed to make a living. So I knew I had to do it. ¿Qué te lo dije en Pero yo sabía que, que tenía que conseguir trabajo, que no lo iba a conseguir como bailarina, y, y que yo era bailarina de Indian dance. I never, I never do things the easy way. Entonces, ese proceso fue de trabajando, trabajando, estudiando, estudiando, trabajando de día, trabajando de noche, o, o trabajando de, de noche en, en hospitales de 11 a 7. Eh, iba a la casa, comía algo, descansaba, y después iba a estudiar. So I, 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 would, I would get shift work um, so that I could have time to go to school during the day. So, 10 years exactly to the day, 10 años exactamente, al mismo día, 10 años después me gradué de Harvard. No fue un, no fue un proceso fácil. Pero, pero yo bailé, I danced, I danced every weekend. I didn't give up the things that I love. Yo estaba en, 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 en Boston, había sitios donde uno podía ir a bailar. So there were lots of places in Boston where I used to go and that sometimes I would be the only uh, person who knew how to dance salsa <laughs> in my group. Um, because no me iba sola. I mean I didn't like to go by myself to bars, to no even bar I told you I was I'm still innocent in so many ways. So um pero, pero fue trabajo, fue trabajo. I, I worked. I gave up a lot of stuff. Yo dejé muchas cosas que, que otras personas agarran y no sueltan. Y yo solté muchas, muchas cosas. Parte de lo que yo tuve que soltar fue, fue mi familia. I had to leave my family. I had to leave my family because they did not understand my drive. Ellos no entendían lo que yo, lo que yo quería hacer. No lo entendían. Y porque no lo entendían, pues no me podían ayudar. So if they couldn't understand it, they couldn't help me. And so I had to, um, I had to then say, okay, you know, I love them, I visit them, I pay attention to their lives and everything, but I'm not getting the kinds of things that I need uh, here. I need to go outside. And what does that mean? ¿Qué quiere decir eso? Que ahora mismo, yo soy la mayor de 11, I'm the eldest of 11 children, pero yo no soy la primera que recibe las noticias. I'm not the first one to get the news in the family because I'm not, I'm not in the middle of the family anymore. Ellos viven todos cerca. Most of them live very close to each other. Y yo estoy bien lejos de, de, de ellos. I'm, Live very far away from them. ¿Por qué? Ellos crecieron en Brooklyn. They grew up in Brooklyn. Yo crecí en Macumbo, Abajo, Puerto Rico. 
I grew up in this rural little town in Tuaba. I love being among trees and flowers and, you know, nature. Y ellos quieren poder ir a comprar pizza at midnight. You know. <laughs> I need to, whenever my mother used to, used to come um, to visit us, she would say, este sitio, <laughs> my, my home, este sitio, this place. You know, if you need a, if you need a, a cup of sugar, you have to drive for 20 minutes. <laughs> and yes, I live in the middle of nowhere because nowhere is some place for me. But it wasn't for my siblings. We need, we need you in the, unless you have a very loud voice. Let me try. Okay. Um, since, I'm Janina Vargas. I moved here in 1988. I grew up in Cabo Um Ever since Hurricane Maria, we've all been struggling with what are the right things to do, how do we help. Um, we have seen the unity of the Puerto Rican diaspora in the United States, and you recently have been really uh, writing beautifully and eloquently about what's happening in the island. Um, that was, there was that recent article, I think you called the Puertopians. Uh, Puertopians, the rich yeah, people. Yeah, the so I, I was wondering if you would mind sharing some of your thoughts about the kinds of things you're seeing, communities getting together. This community has really come together. The town of Holyoke, um, it, it just has been simply humbling to see what they have done to, to help communities. So um, if you could share some of your thoughts about what's happening both in the island and the connections with the Puerto Rican diaspora in the United States. I have to say about the Diasporicans, somebody called um, My heart expanded <laughs> the few weeks right after the hurricane because the reason this disaster was so present in the media in the United States, it's because los, nos, los nosotros, los que regresamos, que hablábamos inglés, podíamos comunicar esa situación. Those of us who have come back to speak English, we could, we could really talk about what was going on to the media without translators. I can tell you because I, know, I have a lot of friends in the media, all those um, NBC, CBS, all those people, they just sent like people down there, they didn't even have translators because they didn't think they would need it, not because they thought there were English speakers there, but because they thought they could manage it on their own with their own producers. So all of a sudden, it's become a bigger disaster, and so they have to reach out to the people there who can speak about what they have experienced. And yo me acuerdo, when I went to Puerto Rico, 12 years, after I graduated from, um, for, no, no, 12 years after I left uh, as a child, graduada de Harvard, had never been on welfare, I was, had never been a prostitute, I had not dropped out. All the expectations, I did not fulfill none of those bad ones, right? So I was very proud of myself. So the Puerto Ricans that were there that had never left, tú no eres Puerto Rican now. <laughs> and it hurt me so much.
I'm like, it was, it was heartbreaking for me for a few years. And now I saw that those people who went through that same experience were the ones who were speaking for those who couldn't. And I'm very proud of them. I'm very proud of them. They stayed and they went through that and they just got through it. Um, the, the, the diaspora has, has really stepped up. We have, I know in my, in my particular case, living in the middle of nowhere, surrounded, I think there's only one other Puerto Rican that I know about within driving distance. Um, you know, we, I raised tens of thousands of dollars for local organizations in Puerto Rico by doing something that I've never done is to go to my friends and say, please, we need, we need it. So we, we did things that we never expected we would have to do. We did it, and we continue to do it. How do we help the people who are here, que están aquí, que no saben si van a regresar o no? What we can do is support them, make sure, if you're here, mientras, si están aquí, aprenden el idioma. <laughs> Porque no importa lo que va a pasar en Puerto Rico, políticamente, van a necesitar ese idioma para poder bregar con lo que, lo que va a pasar. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> so you have, you have to, you know, please make sure that you learn as much you can the English language because you're going to need it if you do go back to Puerto Rico. In, in, in whatever your political desire is, you're going to need it because you're only going to be dealing with Estadounidense legislators. Uh, how else can we help the people here is to help them. You know, there are families here, sin carro, drive them places. If there are children that need to be babysat so that a parent can go uh, for a job interview or something like that, volunteer to do that. You can do little things. You don't have to take on their whole lives. You can take moments of their lives that will make their lives easier as they struggle with this incredible disaster that will be with them for the rest of their lives. My dad lived through San Cipriani in 1928, and he died the year before Maria. But my dad, at 95 years old, still remembered what had happened when he was seven or eight years old. So this, is, this doesn't go away for the ones who are still there and the ones who are here. If you went through that experience, it's gonna be with you. We need to understand that, and we need to help them through that, because it has been a traumatic experience. I am told that um, the time is up, yes? One more question. Is there one more question? No, no question. No te preocupes. Mi nombre es Mangeli y yo he leído. En el, en el micrófono, porque no Yo he leído Casi una mujer y cuando era puertorriqueña, y a través de esos dos libros, yo quiero hacerte la siguiente pregunta. Si tuvieras la oportunidad de cambiar algo en tu vida, ¿qué sería y por qué? La pregunta es: si hubiera algo que pudiera cambiar en mi vida, ella ha leído dos de mis libros, ¿qué pudiera cambiar? Nada. <laughs> Las cosas malas te enseñan. 
Así que, you know, good things make you happy, bad things make you strong. So, don't regret. Never regret. I think um, everybody is, yes, so we're going to go out to the lobby. I'm very uh, sorry that it's really, I, I could stay here or more. Buenos días, mi nombre es Stephanie Castillo y yo he leído los libros cuando era puertorriqueña y casi una mujer. Y yo quisiera saber como, cuál es la experiencia de usted como latina al entrar en Harvard, como el, el impacto cultural que usted experimentó. Ok, la pregunta es sobre qué es el like to be at Harvard. Bien difícil, no fue fácil. Es, es difícil siempre cuando tú eres diferente y el resto de, del grupo te ven de una manera que no es quién eres, sino las expectativas. Es difícil, pero no tiene que... Tienes que aprender a aguantar. <laughs> you have to learn how to hold certain things and keep the goal. Tienes que mantener esa, esa, es como una flecha. Esa flecha no se desvía, no importa lo que te diga. Y, 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 y asegúrate que va a ser difícil. No va a ser fácil. Life is not easy. Life really is, you are alone. <laughs> Estás sola. Estás sola en tu vida. This was a special presentation of the Radio Plasma Podcast, featuring Esmeralda Santiago, Riding a Life, a Transcultural Journey, recorded at the Leslie Phillips Theater in Holyoke Community College on March 29, 2018. To know more about Esmeralda Santiago's work, you can visit her website, esmeraldasantiago.com. For Radio Plasma, I'm Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.